myself and my family, we crashed these super flocks and uh, visited them this past week and had a wonderful time. We visited this past Wednesday Irvine and Tustin Superflock and this past Friday Long Beach and Whittier. Tustin Irvine Superflock was a little more family atmosphere. You know, it was more like married and children and just encouragement, you know, just talking at a, just a medium of, of, of volume level. Uh, Whittier and Long Beach was like a house party. <laughs> it was like out of control. Um, just uh, young people getting together at 11.30, we're just talking and having a good time, goofing around, you know. And then I'm, I'm like, some guy tells me, wow, James, you're out late. I'm like, it's all right, it's Friday night, no problem. It's 11.30. I'm like, what? It's 11.30? So we need to get out now. Like, we have two daughters, and they were just starting their games. They're setting up Jenga and having a Jenga throw down at Long Beach Flock, and I, I blessed them. You know, on my way out the door, because uh, I was way past my um, bedtime. A real encouraging time, and, and the word, and fellowship, and gift exchanges. But for me, the highlight of the super flock, both of them, and I look forward to the super flock this Thursday with the Placentia and Cerritos. And the highlight for me was singing. Um, I, mean, I, I personally love to sing. You will find me singing all the time. In my house, house too, my wife loves to sing. Elizabeth loves to sing. We always have music going on. When I'm in the car, I'm singing. When I'm just, I'm always singing. <laughs> that's, that's, I just love to sing. And I love to sing with fellow believers. And I love Christmas time because of the great songs, great Christmas hymns and songs uh, that we sing during this time. I'm not talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm not talking about Jingle Bells or Jingle Bell Rock, you know. <laughs> But I'm talking about songs like Joy to the World, a song that we sang. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Come All Ye Faithful, O Holy Night. I mean, I love to sing such praises to our Lord and getting into a room full of people with one heart, one mind, and maybe you have people around you who can sing. You know, if you're unblessed, you're sitting next to people who can't hold a note, then you have to kind of sing louder than them. But if you're blessed to sing around people who can really sing, it's just just sweet, just to lift your voices and, and sing together these rich and wonderful Christmas hymns and Christmas carols. Carols comes from the Latin word chorale, uh, choruses. Now, the question is, why are there so many songs um, specifically for the birth of Christ, for Christmas? I mean, why do we sing so much on Christmas? As I read, as I read this week, the gospel accounts of the birth of our Lord, and as I've been reading about the principal characters that were present in the first Christmas, we find something very interesting. As Marcus read to us in Luke chapter 2, you know, verses 1 through 5, he's talking about how, how Joseph and Mary went down to Bethlehem because of uh, a census that was taken uh, during this time. And we see God's providence God's sovereignty over human history and bringing uh, Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem because it was ordained that the Messiah would come from the city of David, which is Bethlehem. So while they were there, it was so crowded, there were so many people, there was no room in the Marriott or in, in Western Bonaventure at Bethlehem. No room. So she gave birth in a manger. And verse 8, there were shepherds out in the field 
And an angel appeared to them, giving them great news of the birth of the Messiah. And then verse 13, Suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. You know, the multitude. You find that word numerous times in the Gospels. And it it speaks about more than a dozen people, more than hundreds. When you talk about multitudes, like Luke chapter 6, it's talking about three, five, ten thousand people. So likewise, a multitude of angels, it's not talking about, oh, there were eight angels there singing, or there were twenty or a hundred. It means all of us, there was one angel giving an announcement of the birth of Christ. And then all of a sudden, when these shepherds looked up, there were thousands, maybe tens of thousands, representing millions of angels, gathered together. And in one voice, in all their glory, in all their majesty, how did they announce the birth of Christ? How did they celebrate the one who would save God's people from their sins? They lifted their voices and they sang. They praised God. They lifted their voices, their beautiful voices, and they they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom... He is pleased. They sang glory to God in the highest. With gladness in their eyes, with their hearts burning, with love and passion, they were singing this good news to these shepherds and for all to hear. And I believe this is why there are so many Christmas hymns. And throughout church history, men and women wrote songs for this occasion to celebrate the birth of our Lord. That is why so much of our time today, Christmas Eve, our super flock, every time Christians gather for Christmas, one thing we do is we sing, we worship, we praise, because singing, isn't it weird? Singing is the first and most appropriate response to Christmas. You ever think about that? We attach Christmas with cards, shopping, gifts, trees, decorations, ornaments, Right? with all this other stuff, but for Christians, the first thing, the foremost thing that we are to do during Christmas is to sing. Is to sing on to Christ, sing on to the Lord, and sing on to God. We have to ask ourselves, and I thought about this a lot this week, you know, why singing? Why singing? I've never given a sermon on singing. Actually, next week, because of my study this past week, I'm going to give a whole sermon on just singing, on praising, on worshiping God. When you think about singing for a minute, and you realize, you know, from the birth of human of mankind, from time of Adam all the way down, men have sung. We find musical instruments uh, that date back to the origin of mankind. In fact, every culture, every society, every ethnic group, they sing. I mean, you go to Russia, and Russians love to sing. Everything in uh, minor chords, though. Right? They're kind of a somber people. But man, with those baritone voices, these men, they sing. I mean, just they love to sing. I mean, like, just watch those movies, and they're in a submarine, right? What do they do? They sing in a submarine. You know, 200 men um, um, locked up together in a submarine, they love to sing. You, Kazakh people love to sing. The Chinese people, I've been to China, Chinese people love to sing. Very sad songs uh, uh, present in that country. I'm Korean-American, and I know Koreans 
we love to sing. When we look at American Idol, it's not just America, but you know, Great Britain. And throughout, there's, there's like, you know, Australian Idol. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there's like, you know, uh, American Idol, that kind of contest throughout the world. They're going to have a world idol competition, I read, uh, pretty soon. But singing is universal. People love to sing. They love to sing when they're happy, and they also love to sing when they're sad. It, it runs the gamut of human experience, human emotion. Singing is raw. It's, it's a visceral response to every experience that God has allowed to man on this earth. Above all, people of God, we love to sing. Do we not? We love to sing. When God saved Israel from the hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians in, in Exodus 15, what did Moses do? He sang. If I were to take a survey of Cornerstone people and ask you guys, what is your favorite book of the Bible? I would, I would guess that a majority of us would say Psalms. We, I love the book of Psalms. Right? Psalms is near and dear to my heart. These are, these are songs written down for us. Uh, emotional. Passionate. Just is full of, full of raw emotion and just heart. Crying out to the Lord. And these are, are, are dear to us because we are people of God. Hymn singing was practiced by Christ before his death in Luke 26.30. He gathered his disciples and he sang hymns to God. In Acts chapter 16, 22-25, we find the most interesting place for um, a worship service. Here is Paul and Silas. They were beaten up, arrested, flogged in the city of Philippi. They were thrown in a dungeon, threatened to be executed. And with their clothes bloody, with their faces gashed, and, and, and they're wounded, what do they do in the midnight hour? They say, Paul says, Silas, come here and let's sing. And they begin to sing songs to God. And Luke says, all the prisoners heard them singing. And so Apostle Paul instructs us in Colossians 3, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. And the first fruit of God's Word dwelling in us richly is what? It's singing. It's singing. Ephesians 5.18 When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the first fruit, the first sign that we're walking with the Holy Spirit is what? Singing songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs onto God, onto one another. It is clear that God gave this gift of singing to all mankind. And He has doubly given this gift of singing to Christians, to believers. Now, now why singing? Why should we sing to God? Why do we sing on Sundays? Why did Mary sing when he heard about the birth of his, or the baby that she was carrying, that it would be the Messiah? Why did these angels sing in response to Christ's birth? One thing we sing because it is an activity that reaches down to the core of our being, into the depths of our soul, into our heart of hearts, and it comes out and it's, it's, it reflects our joy and our love and our passion. It signifies the truth of what we believe. It reveals the intensity of what we feel in our hearts towards Christ and towards the Word of God. In a beautiful way. Singing does that. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but sometimes when I'm sitting in a service and I'm hearing the Word of God, or sometimes 
when I'm at home reading God's Word or reading a biography or a Christian book, the truth is so incredible. What I'm reading is so amazing. It is so sweet to my soul. In the midst of service, I want to just shout. Right? I want to yell. I want to scream. I want to just give, you know, one to the kipper. Just yell out loud and praise God. But if I do that, it would not be very uh, encouraging for the people sitting next to me. I might be carted out the room or people might, you know, interpret that in various ways, in very many negative ways. But with singing, we can do that, and it's beautiful, it's encouraging to one another, and it's acceptable to God. Singing is a unique way where everyone can minister, every single one. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to really know the Bible, you don't have to be quote-unquote mature, you don't have to have many spiritual gifts or abilities, you don't have to be an older believer, older member, none of these things matter. Anyone can participate and declaring their love and adoration of Christ our King in a beautiful way through singing. Second of all, singing reflects the beauty of Christ in a singularly unique way. Singing reflects the beauty of Christ, the loveliness of the Bible, loveliness of God in a unique way that other ways can't. Preaching reveals the truth of God, the objective truth of God. But when, when we sing, especially when we sing well, <laughs> these praise songs, there is an, an intangible, aesthetic beauty in singing to God that we feel in our hearts, we feel in our emotions, and our experiences. And subjectively, each of us individually, we taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? We experience, wow, that singing, that was beautiful. That was lovely. It lifted me out of the mundane life that I live in, the drudgery of day in and day out life here in the world. And I saw a glimpse of the holiness of Christ as we gathered together and we lifted our voices and we sang. It transcended my life for a brief moment. And that was beautiful. That was lovely. That was glorious. Through, through song, we experienced uniquely the beauty of God. That in a way, words or fellowship or even scripture cannot do all by itself. And then thirdly, the Bible is clear. God enjoys the praises of His people. God is glorified by our singing. He has ordained praise as a way for Him to be magnified. Singing to God with our voices, exalts and honors God. And we sing uh, songs as pledging our loyalty to our nation. We sing songs on someone's birthday. We sing songs to our loved ones, right, or future loved ones. But when we sing to God and, and, and express our love and loyalty to Him, it honors and glorifies Him. It is clear from the Psalms that God wants us to sing to Him. So we see that of all time in the, in the year, the time for singing, time for praise and worship, it is during Christmas time. It is during this time when we remember the birth of our Lord. And it is again evidenced in Luke chapter 2, going on to verse 13. Here it's gathered the finest choir singers in the history 
of the world. All, right. All the choirs pale in comparison to the choir that is gathered here at the birth of Christ, and together they sing the first Christmas hymn. As I said already, one, one angel of the Lord came before the shepherds to preach and herald the good news of our Lord's birth. And then all of a sudden, verse 13, there was, an, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And what were they doing? They were praising God. They were praising God. These thousands of angels gathered together. They were praising God. And from that one song, repeated again and again, we learned three truths. Three truths from their song. First of all, we learn that the object of their praise, the object of their song was God. Verse 14, he said, Glory to God in the highest. The object of worship is God. All the glory goes to Him. All the honor goes to Him. All the worship goes to Him. Worship, by definition, is, is very central in that sense. Very sim- simple. It is very one-dimensional. It's centered on God. We worship God. In Luke 4, 8, our Lord said to, the, to His tempter, to Satan, You shall worship the Lord your God. And serve Him only. First Timothy 1.17 Paul closes testimony. Just in case somebody might esteem Him. Just in case somebody might worship or praise Him. He concludes his testimony by saying, To the King, eternal, immortal, and invisible, the only God, be honor and glory, forever and ever. Amen. These angels directed their worship, the only one who is deserving and worthy of worship, and that is God being focused on Him. These angels had worshipped God before in creation. In Job 38.7 says, The morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy when God created heavens and the earth. But when Christ was born, they sang their highest praise to God. They sang their highest note. When they saw God stoop from His throne, when they saw Jesus set aside His glory, His majesty, and become a baby, nursing on, a, on His mother's breast, they lifted their notes higher and higher. You know, you hear someone sing and um, you you go to uh, Jubilant Sykes or some great Christian singers sing and they they sing to God and they reach a high note. And then they go a bit higher and it's just perfect pitch, beautiful tone. And then you just kind of experience that loveliness, that beauty with them. And then they go even higher and you, just, you, can't, you can't believe how high they're singing. And their voice fills the room. And then they take it up a notch. They sing even higher. And they hold that note and they sing to God. Well, that's what the angels are doing. They were praising God. They're surrounding God's throne, worshiping Him. And when God created the heavens and the earth, they praised God and worshiped Him. 
When God intervened in human history throughout the Old Testament, the angels thronged God's throne and worshipped and praised Him. But when God humbled Himself and became man, they reached the highest note possible, sustaining that note in perfect tone and pitch. They cried out to God, Glory to God in the highest. Singing to Him, they could not go any higher. They gave to Him their highest praise because of His highest act of humility. It's amazing to think that one day we'll hear their song in their presence, we'll hear the angels sing, and we'll join them in singing to God. The first truth we learn from their song is that the object of their song was God. Their focus was to worship God. The second lesson, second truth, is that salvation glorifies God. Salvation glorifies God. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God because of the peace that this Messiah will bring upon whom God's favor rests. Tells us that salvation is God's highest glory. Read this this week from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And I read such words and I want to paraphrase it to my own and restate it for our context. But it is just so right in the way he stated it. Let me just read to you what he said. God is glorified in every dewdrop that twinkles in the morning sun. He is magnified in every flower that blooms in the deep forest. Although no one sees its beauty and its sweetness is wasted in the forest air. God is glorified in every bird that chirps in the branch, in every lamb that skips in the meadow. Do not the fishes in the sea praise God? From the tiny minnow to the huge sea mammal, all creatures that swim the water bless and praise His name. Do not all created things extol Him? Is there any beneath the sky except man that does not glorify God? Do not the stars exalt Him when they write His name upon the blue sky of heaven in their golden letters? Do not the lightnings adore Him when they flash, His brightness and arrows of light piercing the midnight darkness? Do not the thunders extol Him when they roll like drums in the march of the God of armies? Do not all things extol Him from the least to the greatest, but sing, sing, O universe, till you have exhausted yourself and you still cannot produce a song so sweet as the song of glory and the salvation of lost sinners. End quote. That's just beautiful. Is, creation glorifies God. Every living thing cries out and reveals the divine majesty of our King. And yet they could sing forever. And it would pale in comparison to the glory God receives when He saves sinners, when He saves the lost. Salvation of lost sinners through the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ glorifies God foremost brings Him the highest glory, the highest glory. Therefore, the angels gathered around and gave God the highest praise. 
Let me say one thing here, though. If we learn anything from this, is this, that if salvation glorifies God and glorifies God in the highest degree and makes the highest creatures praise Him, then any doctrine that gives the glory of our salvation to man cannot be the gospel. Cannot. If God is most glorified and most pleased by Him saving the lost, if any teaching gives glory, that glory, and robs God of that glory gives, gives it to man in any form, in any degree. That cannot be the truth. These angels were not Arminians. They were preaching the truth. And they gave glory, glory where it deserved, to God alone. They did not say glory to God and also glory, glory to the man who decides out of his own free will to give God a chance and accept Him. So let's give God... 80% of the glory, and let's give God, and let's give, let's give man 20%, and let's have the glory be shared between God and man. That was not their song. They did not take the crown of Christ and break it in half, or break it in a third, and give two-thirds to Christ and one-third to man. They believed in no system of faith which makes salvation dependent upon the creature which really gives the creature the praise and honor and the glory. Their song was once for all directed towards God and gave Him all glory for the salvation of man because it glorifies Him the most. Third truth we learn is that this results in peace. That salvation given to man results in peace between God and man. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. If you study at all history of mankind, you will realize that history is but history of wars with moments and times of peace. Even now, there are wars raging in every continent. In Africa, horrible things are happening. Uh, in Congo, in Sudan, uh, horrible things are happening. In the Middle East, in Israel, in Asia, in Spain, there's terrorist acts being done by Islam community and also the ETA, a separatist movement. I mean, in every continent there's war and there is nothing new under the sun. It's been this way from the beginning of time. In the beginning of time, men have slaughtered one another, countless wars, as well as wars around him. Not just wars outside of man, there has been wars raging within a man, internally. Man fighting himself, fighting against his sin. This war between man and within man is but just the wicked fruit of our war with God. All this external war is just an insight, the war that exists between God and man. Ever since the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, mankind was at war. And its first war was and is against God. As Marcus prayed, there's been hate, nothing but hatred, enmity and anger. Nothing but heated rage existed between men against God. Romans 5.10, Paul said, We were God's enemies. 
Romans 8, 7, our minds were hostile to God. Colossians 1, 21, we were alienated from God. Why? Because we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. That's been the reality in the relationship between God and man. And these angels come and they sing and they say, finally, peace. They sing, now, after countless years of war and bloodshed and death and judgment, now, there will be peace, not just to Israel, but peace to all mankind, all groups, all people, all ethnicities, all tribes. There is now a promise of peace. He's not, they're not talking about this kind of internal peace. They're not... It's not a psychological peace. This uh, internal peace of heart. They're talking about salvation peace. Where God and man will be reconciled. War is over. Battle is ended. God is no longer an enemy. But reconciliation has come. They're praising God for that. They're praising God not because some men have earned this peace. Not because some men merited it. Verse 14 ends, Peace with whom he is pleased. Telling us that salvation peace belongs to those whom God is pleased to give it to. That's what they're saying. That there are some in whom God chooses. In whom God wills salvation. It is not the result of what men have done. It is a result of men of God's choosing. God's pleasure upon men. That's the song, that's the praise, that's the first Christian hymn ever sung on that first day, first evening of Christ's birth. May we sing such songs on this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, on this last Sunday of Christmas as you sing to God May we realize that that is why God redeemed us, to sing to Him, to go to the core of our hearts and find love and joy and passion for Christ and to express it in song. May our Christmas Eve service fill with singing. May Christmas Day, as you, as you celebrate with your families, be filled with singing. May your hearts be filled with a new song unto our Lord, joining the angels, giving glory to our God. Let's pray. God, in this world, there are many who sing songs devoted to man, devoted to one another, devoted to emotions and feeling, but not us. Lord, we sing praises to your name in response to the gift of God, the gift of your Son given to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, in Him is our salvation, in Him is our hope, and in Him alone is our forgiveness. Lord, where once we were helpless, bound in sin, dead in trespass, and we were entrenched as enemies 
as rebels against you while we were in the mud and the mire. Lord, you saved us through your Son. You brought us from darkness into the light and you've made us um, co-heirs of salvation, Lord. And we praise you for that. Therefore, may our songs that we sing, our new songs that we sing unto you, may be songs that glorify you, magnify your name, magnify your Son, and may they be um, beautiful um, in, in your ears. May they be worthy in your sight, and may they just honor you uh, rightly. We thank you, God, for the gift of your Son again. May we treasure Christ, make much of Him this day, and may be reflected in the songs that we sing unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.